You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I was going to say good to see you, but I cannot see anyone. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming there's people out there. Oh, now I can see you. Is there any way to turn those two lights off? <laughs> just, just unplug them. Yeah, that's good. Well, welcome. Uh, we are doing a series called God of All Things. And uh, in this series, we're looking at who God is, what he's like, by looking at the things he makes. So, what have, what have you looked at so far? How many things have you looked at? Just one? Looked at pigs, right? <laughs> and what else? Oh, okay, well, okay, you've done a few things. Well, today we're going to look at, are you ready? We're going to look at dust. Now, it's a little ironic because I don't notice dust. How many of you guys notice dust? Some of you do, yeah. So I know who you are, yeah. I don't notice dust. I mean, it's just one of those things that somebody will tell me, hey, you should dust this room. I'm being like, well, what dust? I mean, I do notice dust sometimes. Sometimes, like when I pull a book off my shelf that I haven't looked at for a while, and I, I see the dust. But once a year, um, I approach my dresser. And uh, I'm always, mar- it's, it's, it's quite amazing to see the original color of the dresser. When you, when you clean off the dust. So I notice that. And sometimes in the spring when I turn on our furnace, I notice dust. But other than that, typically I don't notice dust very much. But when you hear the word dust, this is what we're looking at. When you hear the word dust, what are some words that come to mind? Allergies. Allergies. Okay. Wow, you're right on there. Allergies, yes. What else? Anything else? <laughs> Dirty, yeah. Something that's not clean. Dust bunnies. Dust bunnies, yes. Neglected. Neglected. Very good, yeah. Oh, wow, you're setting me up there. That's great. Because uh, often when people think of dust, they think of dirt. They think of decay, something old or broken down. Uh, in the heat of the summer, you see soil turn to dust. Not so much this year um, so far, but... Uh, Up north, you have ghost towns covered in dust. If you travel in the summer to a Soyuz or Kamloops, you see lots and lots and lots of dust. Now, the reason why we're talking about dust this morning is that God says you and I are made of it. And this shows up a number of times in Scripture. One of the passages I want to look at is found in Psalm 90. So if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 90, which is right smack dab in the middle of your Bible. (laughs) Or if it's on your phone, it's under Psalm 90. Um, And we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 6. Okay, in honor of God's word, let's stand together as I read this. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you have formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. There are many here this morning whose minds are so busy with all these things that are going on in their life right now. And it's hard to focus in. And so we pray that you would grant us by your spirit an attentive spirit that we be attentive to what you have to say to us. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see and soften hard hearts to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Okay, so the Bible teaches us that you and I day after day get older and we are destined to turn to dust. Now I know (laughs) this is not really an encouraging word so far. It's, it's an uncomfortable truth that one day you and I will die. But it's laid out in Scripture. It's laid out in experience. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, we read these words. That when the man and the woman chose to disobey God rather than trust in him, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a curse was placed upon humanity. And we read... For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now we hear these words, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And and not everybody likes hearing this. And some people would react angrily to this, this whole idea that we're going to die. And and, and, and we're told we need to fight against this. And so there's the old Dylan Thomas poem that says, Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And so you may hear this news that you are dust and that one day you're going to die and return to dust. And you, you, you could be like, David, I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm going to fight against my dustiness. In fact, I have an idea. I have an idea. I'm not going to die. I'm going to freeze my body and keep it frozen until such a time as the technology arrives where I can live again. Or, or, or I'm going to um, get to the point where, yeah, my body may die, but, but I have an idea. I'm going to take my brain And I'm going to link my brain to a computer. And I'm going to live forever. And we're like, that's so silly. But don't do it now. But if you Google transhumanism, it's a very vibrant movement. In fact, one of the leading engineers at Google, a guy named Ray Kurzweil, every day takes 200 vitamins of different kinds 
and has about an hour, an hour and a half of anti-aging therapy, whatever that means. His goal is to live long enough so that the technology arrives and he's still young enough so that he can take his brain and put it in a computer and live forever. This is a, one of the chief engineers of Google. So there are people who say, yeah, David, you say we're going to return to dust, but not me, not me. But so far, so far it seems, I could be wrong, but the mortality rate in the world is still at 100%. That none of us are going to get out of here alive. Hebrews 9.27 teaches us, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. We came from dust, and to dust we shall return. And I often find it interesting, I find it interesting that a lot of people say, oh, you know, you, you Christians, Christians are, are kind of, you know, pie in the sky and they're kind of naive and, and they believe in, um, you know, immortality and, you know, if you're a secular humanist or an atheist, at least you're a realist. But I find that's actually opposite because Christians actually don't believe in immortality. And I often find the secular humanists or atheists spend a lot of time looking for workarounds to somehow gain immortality. Trying to escape death. Here's the thing. Christians, at least historically, we don't believe in immortality. In fact, if you read a lot of Christian writing throughout history, they talk about death all the time. Read the Puritans. They talk about maybe a little too much, but... <laughs> But Christians have written, taught, preached, lived, and reflected on the reality that one day you and I will die. I remember I was reading a, um, a journal of a Mennonite pastor who lived at the beginning of the 20th century in, well, Ukraine. And he, it's, it's his journal. And in his journal, every day, every day, there's an entry about a baby that dies an elderly person that dies. He's always bearing every day. Somebody's dying in, 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 in his community. And so death was part of his day-to-day -day life. But I find that in, our, in, a, in a secular humanist context, people don't like talking about death. We live in a forever young culture. We don't like talking about getting old and dying. And I've done lots of funerals over the years. And I find whenever I'm doing a funeral for someone who died and the family is atheist, they're often looking for signs, any kind of sign that will give hope. For Christians, we don't believe in immortality because we believe in resurrection. And here's a kicker. <laughs> To be resurrected, you have to die. You have to die. And that is why traditionally, outside of buildings where resurrection is preached and proclaimed, outside, traditionally, outside of churches in history, what would you find? You'd find cemeteries. Yeah, you'd find graveyards. I think I have a, a picture. There's a, I've been dying to show you this one. Sorry, I knew saying that would have grave consequences, but uh, I'll stop. <laughs> what, 
But you'd see a lot of these, right? Now, can I say my favorite, I'm sure most of you have your favorite gravestone, right? Who doesn't? Um, this is my favorite one. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm with a buddy of mine in, um, near Cambridge in England. And this is a grave of a guy that I did some writing on. I did, um, I did some doctoral studies on this guy named John Berridge that nobody's really heard of, except for this guy. He's my friend, Nigel. And, uh, but it's so cool because this guy, John Berridge, just, this is an aside. It really has nothing to do with dust, but I just think it's kind of cool. Um, the Berridge writes a letter. When Berridge died, he, he, he wrote out what he wanted on his tomb and he actually speaks to people that pass by his tomb. It's kind of interesting. So what does it say? He says, Here lies the earthly remains of John Berridge, late vicar of Everton, an itinerant, uh, and an itinerant servant of Jesus Christ who lived, who loved his master and his work, and after running on his errands for years, was called to wait upon above, on, on him above. And then he speaks to you walking by. He says, Reader, Art thou born again? Art thou born, born again? No salvation without a new birth. <laughs> this is kind of funny. He says, I was born in February 1716, remained ignorant of my fallen state until 1730. I lived proudly on faith and works until 1754. And I was admitted as a pastor in the Everton Vicarage in 1755. Fled to Jesus alone for refuge in 1756. He got in a lot of trouble over that because he's basically saying, I pastored for a long time without really knowing who Jesus was. <laughs> And the heads of the church are like, you can't say that. He goes, it's true. This, I didn't know who Jesus was. And the last part, I don't think he wrote, he says, when he died. Um, but, but the point of it is this. It's a reminder that you and I will die. And I just love this, this, this picture. He's speaking to you. Hey, get ready. What, where is your life directed towards? And for Christians, our message and our hope is based on the one who died and rose again, Jesus Christ. And that's why at the center of our faith, we got a cross. And it's easy to sanitize the cross. That's a cross. You know, we wear a cross. And we all, but the cross is a picture of suffering and death, right? And when we take communion, which we will do this morning... We remember the body and the blood, the broken body, the death of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and it's rooted around death. And some of you have been to graveside services, but when I do a graveside service and there's the coffin and the coffin is lowered into the ground or the urn is placed into the ground, as I lead the service, what do I do? I take a handful of dust and I pour it and I say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And it's quite poignant because often when the, if the wind is blowing, it's gone. And it's such a picture of how long, just our destiny now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, this is a very cheery message, Pastor David. Yeah, no, this is really, I'm feeling encouraged. We are dust. <laughs> Thanks. Why don't you play Pink Floyd? <laughs> That's what I, I'm sorry. 
Well, here's a weird part, though, about dust. We've been talking about dust. And one of the strange things is that when we read the beginning of the Bible, we come across a little bit of a surprise when it comes to dust. Because we encounter dust at the beginning of the Bible, not when it comes to death, but you encounter dust when it comes to life. We read in Genesis 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So humanity, this is when humanity is created, and at this point they have not sinned. We're in communion with God. The tree of life is still available to us, but we're still told that we are created from what? From dust. Now, what does this say to us? Well, one, it tells us that along with the rest of the world that we are created, that we are part of the world around us. We are made of matter, that we are made of stuff. We're created in God's image, yes. And we're to image God, yes. We're embodied creatures, yes. We're not ghosts. We're not minds inhabiting shells. But we are made up of atoms, molecules, carbon, and oxygen. In the, Bible, in the Bible's economy, matter matters. Our bodies are not secondary. Now, <laughs> I can talk a little bit about this. But we live in a culture today where our bodies are secondary. My personal, who I am, myself is most important. And my body comes second. And if my body doesn't agree with who I am, then I will make my body conform. But the biblical view is that our bodies matter. Secondly, it teaches us that we are supernaturally created. Now, it's interesting. In the ancient Near East, in the ancient Near East, there are other creation stories, right? We read the one in Genesis, but there are other creation stories. And in these other creation stories, there's usually a story about how humanity is made. And how humanity is made is humanity is usually made out of, often it's, it's clay. And if you use your imagination, you can think of clay, right? You can think of clay, okay, there's a head, right? And you make the body. I can see how I can make a human being. I get that. But here's the thing. You cannot mold anything out of dust. Can you? I mean, the most you're going to get out of dust is a pile, right? That's all you're going to come up with is a pile of dust and one gust of wind and that is gone. So the question comes, how does a pile of dust go from being nothing to something? Well, it requires what we read, the breath of the Lord. It is God himself who animates something that is dead and makes it into a living soul. And so this passage teaches us that we're, we're dependent upon another. Without God, and as, as, as Wayne, as, as you were saying, without God, you know, we live, we breathe, we have our being, right? Without God, we're nothing. We're a pile of dust easily swept away. Now, this is going to sound strange, but I actually find this news quite comforting. Why? Because it lays out two important realities. One, 
It is because of God that I'm alive. It is because of God that you are alive. So breathe. It is because of God that you are breathing. We are physical and spiritual beings, body and soul. We live, we breathe, we have our being because God created us. He made us in his image, which means we, because we're made in God's image, right? We we live because of God. We're made in his image. And it means that we have dignity and value. We are made in God's image. And that means every person you lock eyes with has dignity and value and needs to be seen as such. Right? That's why as Christians we're called to love our neighbors. Because every human being is made in the image of God. That's why we don't do things that dehumanize people. Because every human is made in the image of God. And historically, that is a very foundation for human rights. Without the Imago Dei, without the image of God, there's no foundation for human rights in our world today. And it's dangerous when you remove that. Secondly, it also tells me that I need to be humble. It offers me an appropriate smallness. So when I start getting kind of full of myself, when I think, hey, you know, check, you know, I, I can do anything. I'm, you know, I'm like a superhero. I can do, you know, you know, look how strong I am. I'm working out. The reality is, the reality is, um, yeah. I'm still dust. <laughs> and and that, that body that you're working out will turn to dust. I am but dust and ashes. And knowing that you and I, knowing that, I'll speak for myself, knowing that I come from the ground keeps me grounded. In fact, the word humble comes from the word hummus, which means soil or earth. And so we hold these things in tension. God sees us as having incredible value. We're made in the image of God and we are dust. And the way of the Christian is to hold those things together. Right? We're given life. We can participate in God's purposes for the world. But we are dust and so we need God for everything and I love there's a great line and it's mandatory to quote C.S. Lewis in a message right I forgot about that yeah um, <laughs> there's a guy named C.S. Lewis he wrote this uh, book uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and there's anyhow a great line and it says this where uh, Aslan who's a Christ figure speaks to, to, this, to this man and he says you come from the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve And that is both honor enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. Be content. And so as dust, you and I need to recognize that we have limits. That we are not, despite what Marvel wants to teach us, we are not superhuman. We are simply but gloriously human. And I think you need to remember that, that you are simply and gloriously human. Because my guess, if I check some of your calendars, some of you think that you are superhuman, uh, <laughs> that you can get a lot of things done, right? 
But we need to remember we come from dust and to dust we shall return. Now, if you leave now, this is going to be pretty depressing. Hang on. Because the Christian hope is this. Yes, we come from dust. And yes, to dust we shall return. But only for a little while. Only for a little while. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, we read that those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. We see in the book of Ezekiel uh, this picture of, a dry, of dry bones in a valley. And God brings these dry bones to life and he puts his breath into them. In 1 Kings, we read about the prophet Elijah raising to life a widow's son. In the book of John, we see Jesus outside the tomb of his friend Lazarus, calling Lazarus back to life. See, if you read scripture well, you'll realize that God is in the business of making the dead come alive. Right? And yes, in Adam, we are dust people, and we will die one day. And our bodies will decompose and become food for worms. And you know what? If I said, all right, let's pray, we would be pretty depressed. <laughs> and here's the thing. A lot of people are in this place. A lot of people live in this place. They say, we live, we die, and that's it. All you are is a bunch of firing neurons. That's all you are. There's nothing more to life than this. And if that were the case, there's no positive way to put a spin on this, despite our attempts. Well, you know, in the same way that if I die, but, you know, my body can fertilize new life, it's like I'm still alive. No, you're dead. And oh, the only thing that's alive is the tree, okay? So um, <laughs> it doesn't cut it. And that's why a lot of people are like, hey, that's it. I may as well eat, drink, for tomorrow I die. Or in the words of the great, great, great poet, Trooper, we're here for a good time, <laughs> not a long time. So have a good time. The sun can shine every day. Well done. I can see you guys are quite acquainted with the poets, yeah. But that, there's a heaviness to that. And here's the thing, I lived in that place. I totally lived in that place. You live, you die, and that's it. And so for me, I was going to squeeze as much life as I could out of life. And I also lived without consequences because I thought, well, who cares? I'm just going to die. But here's the thing. Christianity, the Christian faith, offers us deep, deep hope in a hopeless world. Listen to these words. These are words that a guy named Paul wrote in the New Testament. And he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know... What will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people without hope? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him believers who have died. Then we'll be with the Lord forever. And he says, encourage one another with these words. And because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, man, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Because by putting our faith in him, we will rise to become heavenly people without dust or decay. 
we will have new bodies. That's what the Bible teaches us. We'll have new bodies that will not turn to dust, but will be fully alive forever. Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Just as we have borne the image of, of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. And so what does all this mean? It means that our future is not based on the man that came out of dust, but is based on the man that came out of the grave. And that in Jesus Christ, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, when we put our hope in him, our future is dust-free. And I think we need to hear this. As Cam reminded us this morning, uh, does anybody know what today is? Any, any liturgical people here? Hey, well, well, look at that. Lots of liturgy here, yeah. Uh, it's, it's Pentecost Sunday. And so what do we remember on Pentecost Sunday? Yeah, the giving of the Holy Spirit, right? And so we live in many ways between two really important events. One is Pentecost, where we read that the very presence, the empowering presence of Jesus will came upon the first believers, empowering them, transforming them, making the dead come alive. And it's like a foretaste of things to come for eternal life, where God's very presence will dwell within his believers, right? But on the other side of that, prior to that, is you have an event that very few people remember, but it's on the calendar every year, and that is called Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the season of Lent that culminates on Holy Week, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. Ash Wednesday. Does anybody grew up in the Catholic or Anglican church? What would, what would you do on Ash Wednesday? Does anybody know? I can see you guys know. Yeah, what would you do? You put a little bit of ashes on you. Yeah. And what, do you know why? Oh, no, I don't want to put you on the spot, but does anybody know why? You put a little bit of ash, ash Wednesday. Why would you do that? And they would say these words, memento mori. Do you know what? It means remember you will die. Remember that you are dust. And so that's a good reminder. But on the other end, you have Pentecost, which is remember you will live forever with a new body that is dust-free. And as Christians, we hold those things together. Yes, we came from dust, to dust we shall return. But because of Jesus Christ, we will live forever. And I don't know about you, it's, 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 a, powerful, it's a powerful vision. And you know what makes it more powerful? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's not just a story. This is true. Because our faith is rooted in, an, in a person and an event that takes place in history. Christianity is very historical. The person of Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, that takes place in history. And because this has happened, when we put our faith in him, we say, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to cling to you. We know that Jesus, who died but did not stay dead but was raised to new life, that he has forged a way for us. And when we put our faith in him, we can experience the same thing. And some of you who have been living, live, die, <laughs> live, eat, drink, for tomorrow I die, you need to hear this this morning. 
Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, know this, that your future is dust-free. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite us to respond to that. I'm going to respond in prayer. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I'm going to lead you, if some of you may want to respond uh, in your heart and say, look, I didn't know any of this, but I'm getting it now. And I want to be in. My prayer, some of you know I didn't grow up in the church. I was an atheist. I had no time for Jesus at all as a, as a young adult. My prayer to Jesus when I, when, I, when I learned about this, I was living on the other side of the world in a hotel room in Shanghai, and my prayer was, was this, Jesus, if this is real, I'm in. That was, my, that was my prayer, I'm in. And I felt a weight come off my back. And so some of you may just want to be praying today, if this is it, I'm in, okay? So I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then I'm going to ask the communion servers to come forward, and I'll explain to what we're going to do in a moment. But let's pray first. Jesus, we are thankful that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We live, we breathe, we have our being because of you. All things hold together in you. Your word teaches us that from dust we have come to dust we shall return. But dust will not have the final word because of your resurrection. The final word will be life. And there may be some here this morning that are hearing this. They've heard it, but if they're really hearing this for the first time and, and they want to respond, Lord, hear the response as they say, if this is a real thing, I'm in. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. But thanks be to you, we can live forever, that you give us a foretaste of what that is like by giving us of the Holy Spirit, your empowering presence in our lives. And so help us day by day to grow attentive to your voice speaking in and through us. Help us to represent you, Jesus, in all that we say and do during the week. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to have our communion service come forward. Now, what we're doing is, is you think about this, we're taking bread and we're taking juice. And the bread represents the body of Jesus and the juice represents the blood of Jesus. So a pretty gruesome imagery. But when we take the bread, we're saying we belong to Jesus. And for some of you, this could be your first time. And as an act of taking the bread, you're saying, I'm in, right? And you're saying, you, and so the body of, of Jesus is the church. And you're saying we belong to Jesus and we belong to one another. And that we're part of something much, much bigger. We're part of a story that's much, much bigger than ourselves. And by taking this bread, you're saying, I want to be part of this story. If you, and that I want to live out this story. When we take the juice, you're saying, I am who I am, not because of anything I bring to the table, but because of what Jesus has done on my behalf. So it's a reminder that it's grace, grace, grace from beginning to end. It is God's amazing grace that allows us to live forever. And so I want to invite you, um, as you're ready, you can come up and you take the bread, take the juice, but do so with thanksgiving. And again, for some of you, it may be the first time as an act of faith, you're saying, I'm in. And then I would welcome you to come. If you're not interested really in Jesus yet and you're still thinking about things, then I wouldn't bother uh, taking this. It won't mean a whole lot to you. 
Um, otherwise, if you're part of this church, or even if you're not part of this church, but you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're welcome to partake in this. All right, so let's pray. Jesus, we are your body, and as we take this bread, we pray that you would speak that truth into our hearts. And we are your people because of your amazing grace. Through your shed blood on the cross, our sins have been washed away. All the things that separate us from um, being in communion with the holy God have been dealt with once and for all through the cross. And so as we take the juice, we're reminded that we belong to you because of your grace. So help us to take this with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.